beginning transmission 56, Sandman. File under, gaps in our knowledge. Well, to be fair, everyone has some glaring gap in knowledge. Something really obvious you somehow never learned. This すべての中に使用としてことではないような感情プロセスで丁寧です。なんかなんかスピーキングみたいな感じ。ニュー、アダムとトト。too sober for this shit. And I believe this is episode 56 of the Funny Bucks and Firewater podcast. We're continuing God our month. Damn. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I was I, I was figuring out the schedule for the rest of the year, and like uh, episode 90 will come out on Christmas Day. Uh, figured that out. So, uh, oh. and that's on a Monday, coming. kids, because I, I have to look at these calendars. Yeah, see, that's that's how I figured that out. So, because we always drop on Monday, just in case you're ever wondering. Every Monday, we haven't missed one. Not yet. We will eventually, I'm sure. Something will happen. We'll do it. We'll do a best of. Uh, I'm just I, my bigger fear is that I will forget. Like I'll have it sitting on my computer and I will have forgotten to post it. That's probably that's my bigger fear. Is I'll be like, oh crap, I forgot to post that. Uh, it, and I have a feeling it'll happen this summer when I'm traveling back and forth between Utah all the time, and I'll be sitting on a plane a Monday morning and go, shit, that's what's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> Just watch out for that, kids. You'll know what happens when it does. But uh, so we are continuing on our month. Uh, this is the second week of our month of gaps in our knowledge, which are you know books that we, as comic book fans, really probably should have read or feel like we should have read, and for some reason we just never got around to it. And this is an opportunity to like to actually get around to it. Uh, but so we will start out with the uh, wonderful, the talented, the lovely Todd. You think I'm wonderful and talented? Don't forget lovely. Well, that's a given. Oh, of course. Because no one's got a nose like I do. So. We call it and the schnoz. It's all the schnoz, right. So that's my hubristic humility right there. So thank you, kids. Uh, yes, I'm Todd. Um, as Q pointed out, if you've been listening to us from the beginning, you should all know our stories. Thanks, Q. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was from last week now. Wow, mm-hmm. time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So um, I'm here in Utah along with the um, dainty and awesome Adam. <laughs> well, the other kids are in different time zones, but that's enough about me. Let's talk about them. Uh, speaking of which, I, so I was doing my bio for this theater company this year, and mm-hmm. uh, 
like I, I'm limited to a hundred words, and I was like, I was just kind of, I was kind of bored, and I was decided to write the most snarky a bio. So I will just say, hey, I'm Brian, and I'm going to read you my rough draft of my bio, which I texted to a friend of mine, uh, and it says, reading the sound designer's bio, eh? You must be really early, or you're related to Brian, but you came here for a bio, so you shall have one. Brian is thrilled <laughs> to be returning to Lyric for his fourth season. Credits include Western Playhouse, Triad Stage, H Street Playhouse, Goodspeed Musicals, and other theaters you've never heard of. His first video game design, Killing My, my Friend will be released this fall. Brian hosts the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. He lives in California with his wife, Jess, their dog, Kessel. But enough about me. How about you? I don't know if I'm actually going to put that in the program or not, but that's my rough draft. Q, <laughs> what does your bio say? I mean, I just wrote one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course you did. <laughs> Sorry, we have lots of... Uh, I mean, so I... I'm really slowing down here, fellas. Yes. Well, this is the book for that because we're all yeah. about dreams, man. I know. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sleepy. Anyway, um, so hi, I'm Q, um, otherwise known as Demanda Martini, and um, I am a costume designer and actor. Uh, we're about to start. Um, we're gonna. Well, by the time this premieres, we'll be in our second weekend of Tempest. Um, so for those of you around, come and see that. Uh, we're. St- it's going to be in the middle of rehearsals for Sister Act. Um, we'll actually probably even be gearing up for auditions for our Christmas show, which I'm costuming, which we still don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> so Just don't should, do Elf, man. Just so that should be fun. Um, and uh, also um, going to be rehearsing and getting ready for um, Eleanor's New Deal Cabaret Presents Broadway on the Beltway over at the New Deal Cafe in Greenbelt, Maryland. Uh, so if uh, you haven't got your reservations by now when this premieres, you might be in the standing room only section of this place because it is not very big. And this is probably going to be a sold out ridiculous thing that happens. Um, I don't think I left anything out. Although I will say, in my um, cabaret bio, I did put in that I, if you want to listen to my rantings and ravings about comic books and um, cocktails, sorry, oh my god, comic books and cocktails, <laughs> so come over to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, so. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, there is a... A student who I met when I was working at uh, Utah State, uh, our alma mater uh, last week, who will be uh, spending some time in the D.C. area this summer, so I am sending her your way, Q. Um, I sent her a link to your event, and then hopefully she'll come by. And I'm like, even if you can't make the event, take Q out to lunch, because it's always entertaining. And she said, sounds good. So uh, she might hit you up a little bit later. Uh, Her boyfriend played Sherlock last year when I did Baskerville at Lyric. She seems very cool. I, I've talked to her a bit. I signed. Anyway, so we also have this week's knowledge gapper. I don't know what that actually means, but uh, you know, <laughs> the guy who chose this week's book. We have Adam. Hey everyone, what's up? It's Adam from uh, Big Shiny Robot. Uh, catch me there doing movie reviews. Also on the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi Andy. Hi Andy. <laughs> and yeah, this is the the middle of May, so. I think this is about the time I'm going to go see the new King Arthur movie, which I'm really excited for. Uh, got Alien Covenant coming up. Yay! Yay! And uh, <laughs> keep 
keep an eye on uh, my Facebook and also Big Shiny Robots Facebook uh, because we'll be doing lots of movie giveaways. Also, we have a new partner with uh, HBO, so we'll be doing. Uh, we've already done a couple of TV series and seasons with them. So if you want free shit, follow me on Facebook and also on Twitter. Or just follow him down the street, things fall out of his pockets. You know, though, it's better than... Because the people who did Cards Against Humanity one year sold uh, bullshit. And it was five bucks, and they sold you shit. So, free shit versus paying money for shit. It's always for the free shit. Yeah, I always make my own free shit. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, No, actually, yeah, if you you want to laugh, every single year for Black Friday, Cards Against Humanity does some kind of bull... Like, one year they sold you a box of air. Um, and I think they take the money and actually donate it to charity because they're they're not as horrible as you want to think they are. But uh, they they always do fun things. I still yes. have my uh, my duffel bag for my Trump bug out bag. It's got like foreign currency in it, an application to be a Mexican citizen, all kinds of fun things. <laughs> <laughs> Just what we all need. Well, maybe. Uh, this week, it is Adam's Choice. We are reading uh, Sandman, which is a very well-known comic book, um, and that will probably play into part of my review on this. Uh, on this, But uh, it's from uh, Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman, or however you want to say it, uh, who also wrote American Gods, which is now on Stars. Yes. yes. Um, which Todd and Adam are both very excited for. I am not so much excited for it because I don't have Stars, so I won't see it for a while anyway. Do you have uh, Amazon Prime? I do, yes. So for eight bucks a month, you can add uh, stars to your Amazon Prime subscription. Really? That's how I watched uh, Evil Dead. I watched Evil Dead at my mom's house a little while ago. It was really fun. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you yeah, they're doing that with like that. Uh, Showtime does the same thing, uh, and it, it, just because it's really cool, actually. If you have AT and T, and I'm not trying to plug them, but uh-huh. if you have their new unlimited plan, you actually, as long as you keep that plan, you have a, a free lifetime membership to HBO Go. So, oh really? Yeah, the something they just launched uh, a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording. I haven't used it yet, but I really do need to because I need to catch up on Westworld, and I missed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones last year. So gotcha. Everybody uh, dies. Yeah, it's true. It's not Les Mis. Uh, same difference. <laughs> well, Adam, would you like to tell us why you have never gotten really around to this book, or why you wanted to read this, you know, book yeah. in the first place? Well, I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan. I've read every single book he's ever written, with the exception of Sandman. And I think maybe what kind of was daunting about it is because if you've ever seen like the Sandman omnibus, it's it weighs more than I do. Um, <laughs> and I've lost weight recently, so it probably does now weigh more than I do. Uh, yeah, I, don't don't drink sugar, kids. It's bad for you. So I think it was just the, the thought of getting started into such a rich mythology and world that I just kind of kept on putting off, not because I didn't want to, but just because I was afraid that I would jump in and then be overwhelmed. Uh, and to be honest with this book, it, it is kind of overwhelming. It's, there's a lot going on. The first the first book, especially when you're kind of learning what's happening, makes no sense, which I'll get into in my review. Uh, but now that I've read it once, I can't wait to go back in because I know there's so much I missed. Um, I didn't know how much this ties into the DC world. I knew it was yeah. in the DC universe, but I didn't know we'd be seeing like... Uh, John Constantine or Arkham Asylum or characters mm-hmm. from Marshall Man- Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, it's it's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, it definitely kind of feels like a product of the '90s, but it's got that same kind of feel of a lot of uh, like early Garth Ennis and stuff like we did with uh, Preacher. But it's it's fun, and I I can't wait to go read more. Do we want to jump in with uh, drinking games or comic books or uh, uh, drinking games person. or comic books? Oh my god, I'm <laughs> tired of this podcast. <laughs> so, I'm going to jump in with my drinking game. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver. 
for this week's drinking game. Remember it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously, and above all else, please drink responsibly. So my drinking game rule is, hey, I know that guy, which is for every DC Universe reference or cameo, take a drink which we just talked about. Took that because I thought someone else was going to steal it. Uh, anybody else have a drinking game rule? So mine's called Mr. Sandman Bring Me a Dream. Mm-hmm. Every time you struggle to stay awake because everyone keeps talking about dreaming and sleeping. And you're like, <laughs> I also would like to sleep for 13 years. Sounds awesome. Uh, Todd. Mine is, hey, this art looks like Prince Valiant from the funny com- from the Sunday <laughs> Comet. Is this Prince Valiant? You take a drink. <laughs> It's Prince Valiant rule. Is this Prince Valiant? (laughs) And Adam, what's your rule? Mine's called Quit Being an Emo Bitch. Um, It's it's more prevalent in the very last uh, issue, but every time that Morpheus, uh, a.k.a. Dream, acts like emo Spider-Man from Spider-Man 3, take a drink. I think he looks like the lead singer of The Cure in those last pages. Yeah, he does. He really is pulling a... Yeah. Uh, Rob... I don't remember that guy's name. Anyway. Rob Thomas uh, knows well, so Adam, you'll go last on grades since this is your book choice. Todd, what's your grade? You know, I'm going to give this a really strong B+. Plus. Um, it is definitely a product of the 90s, but... It oozes cool, mm-hmm. and I have to read it again, even after reading it, because it is uh, deep, mm-hmm. and there is a lot to it in that regard. So, But I really rather enjoyed this thing, and I'm like, you know, this thing is, it oozes cool, and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, B+, plus, go read it. Q, what's your grade? I really did enjoy this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I am only halfway through it because I fell asleep. <laughs> um, and, it, and it was not because it's tired it's because i'm tired uh-huh. um so i did i did only get through about half of it uh i am going to finish reading this book i just want to be up front with everybody and not try to mm-hmm. play off the fact that i finished this book i would i would definitely give it um a b plus just because um it is a little weird and it can be hard to get into but since you know I'm you know one of those weird comic book people that I'm like like as soon as they brought up Dr. Destiny I'm like fuck yeah I know who Dr. Destiny is <laughs> and what that's mm-hmm. cool that's fucking cool that they uh, brought that into some shit mm-hmm. or um uh who, who, was, who was one of the other people that I was like oh that's I'm like that's a reach Mm-hmm. Into some into some DC uh, universe stuff, but no, I thoroughly I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm really excited to keep reading. I'm gonna probably go with an A minus. I really dug this, but like I this is the second time around I read it, and I feel like the first time I read it, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much. And part of the problem is that I for me it fell into that trap of like Watchmen and some of the other books that it's so famous everyone says you should read it so when you start reading comics you read it and I wasn't necessarily knowledgeable enough of comic books and the DC universe and uh, just kind of other styles to be able to like kind of really appreciate what was going on in this book the second time around I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than the first time I read it uh, first time I read it I read the first two trades and then just never really quite finished it um, and now having read it reread it I'm like oh I actually kind of want to go back and finish this series off because I really really dug the hell out of it um, does have a few weird little issues, but like for the most part, I really, really dug it. I really liked it. Uh, Adam, what is your grade? 
So I really kind of struggle with this because I absolutely love this book and yeah, I, I can't wait to go read more. And yes, I do need to go back and read it again because I know um, I, I was limited on time and kind of had to rush through it much faster than I wanted to. Uh, but there's so much deep stuff here and there's, there's some really good philosophy and just things I absolutely tear apart and love. I really, I'm giving it an A minus and I was going to go higher, but then I, for me, the gold standard of what we've read has been The Wicked and the Divine. And mm-hmm. so I have to kind of compare it to that as far as does this meet that same level? And it doesn't. Because I mean, Wicked and Divine, like, I I got the first trade. I immediately went and bought everything I possibly could because I had to know more. I had to jump in and I had to get involved with these characters. And as much as I really love these characters, when I was done, I was able to set it down and go about my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, the, the first issue is a little bit kind of awkward because uh, it's a lot of introductions. And, you know, if you're brand new to the series, you may not know or understand who these people are. And I think that could have been handled a little bit easier. It's kind of like the first book of Game of Thrones, uh, of the Song of Ice and Fire. It's like there's so many people that are throwing at you. You're like, hey, so who's this person? It's okay, that's sister fucker, that's brother fucker, that's dragon titties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're just you're just trying to keep these names separate in your head. And it wasn't as bad as that, but I think he could have handled it better. And as Neil Gaiman's grown as a writer, you can see he's done that better. But no, it, it's fantastic. A minus. If you haven't read it. If you're new to comics, like Todd said, don't or Brian said, don't jump in. This isn't like this is like trying to read Watchmen for the first time. If you've never mm-hmm. read a comic, Watchmen's not your go-to because there's a lot of shit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, start mm-hmm. somewhere easy and then kind of ease your way into this one. Cool. Then this is the point in time where you get the chance to read it if you haven't read it already, and we all seem to recommend that you probably should, assuming this is not your first comic book to read because this is kind of a, a rough one to wrap your head around. So uh, we'll take a little break, and when we get back, we will spoil the hell out of it. So we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Well, cool. Well, we are back, and since Q has not read the book... Finished reading the book. Finished reading the book. That's true. Sorry. Finished reading the book. He's missing a few issues, which is fine, but uh, we will let Adam, uh, and and as we discussed offline, which I probably could leave in, but I'll probably cut out, actually. uh, There's a lot to all these issues, so we're going to kind of just, we, through the magic of Wikipedia, are going to act like experts, and we're going to have the synopsis (coughs) read to you. Yeah, so obviously, we're up here on NPR. Very nice. Are you dry, crisp? Um, now the no, question so becomes: Do I edit in the lightning round drop before or after the drink, <laughs> <laughs> or after I after I bang my glass in the microphone? Um, yeah, bonk, so, bonk. Yes, we are, we are doing the Wikipedia version because I am not this eloquent in real life. So okay. Lightning round begins. In 1916, the magician Roderick Burgess attempts to attain immortality by capturing the embodiment of death. Uh, Mistakenly, he binds death's brother, Dream, instead. Fearing retribution, Burgess keeps Dream imprisoned. In 1988, uh, so 70 years later, after Burgess has died and his son Alex has been charged with watching Dream, Dream is able to escape and punishes Alex by cursing him to experience an unending series of nightmares. Dream, also known as Morpheus, is weakened after his captivity and attempts to return to his realm. He is found by Gregory, a gargoyle belonging to Cain and Abel, of biblical form. Uh, once they have nursed Dream back to health, Dream returns to his home and is shocked to see it has fallen to ruin. Lucian, his librarian, fills Dream in on the goings-on since his incarceration. Uh, thus, Dream begins a quest to recover his totems of power, a pouch of sand, a helm, and a ruby, which were dispersed following his capture. 
After retrieving the pouch from a former girlfriend of exorcist John Constantine, Dream travels to hell seeking his helm. While in hell, he stumbles upon his lover Nada, who uh, Morpheus also who is Morpheus as Lord Kakul. Weird name, uh, but states he has not forgiven her and she shall, he shall not free her from her torment. He is guided by the demon Etrigan to Lucifer. Dream explains one of the demons in hell has his helm, and it is returned to him following a battle of wits, which Dream wins. Lucifer is angered by this, though, and he swears vengeance on Dream in future issues. The Ruby is in the possession of John D, aka Doctor Destiny, who is committed to Arkham Asylum by the Justice League of America. D escapes before going to a diner where he distorts reality for those inside, using them as toys until they all ultimately murder each other or commit suicide. Dream arrives and attempts to take the ruby, only to be overpowered by D. Thinking it will kill Dream, D shatters the ruby, inadvertently returning his power to Dream. Considering D at least partially responsible for his victory, Dream chose mercy and returns D to Arkham. Uh, and that ends the initial story, and then we have our epilogue. Uh, which is where Dream is visited by his sister Death. Uh, he's all despondent and mopey and emo, and she talks Dream out of his depression and persuades him to explore the world and see what he has missed in the last 70 years. And scene. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really deep book, um, but I did... I, 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 I'm trying to figure out why I liked it so much more the second time around than I did the first time around, and I the only thing I can think of is it's just more experience with comics in general. And I was just kind of curious what other people's initial reactions to this book were for those of you who read it for the first time, and then for those of you who, because Todd, you've read it before, correct? No, this is my first time reading oh, Sandman. So I'm the only one who's read it before. Yeah, I'd have read okay. this one. So. Okay, so what what is, what is y'all's first reaction or first experience reading this like then? You know, for me, as I was going through the artwork. Prince Valiant style comes to mind, but as you go through it, there is a little bit of a incorporeal feel with a lot of it. I want to say though, just the way it's written and it's kind of almost like a story of a far ago past, as well as modern day. I just really dug it. I mean, the panels are all fuzzy to each other. It's not a standard format per se, and there was a lot of experimenting going on, and it wasn't like repetitive page to page and yet at the same time you were I want to go back through again and going oh I have seen this before haven't I or have I not and it just reminds me of so many things and it's new all at the same time the art really sells it it's a place in time and yet it's timeless in many other ways because you've got these characters in a lot of ways nothing is super ultra detailed and yet it's there so when you see Constantine the Hellblazer and I picture it because I've read Hellblazer before and I've seen the most recent TV show and all of it fits and all of it's good except for the Keanu Reeves edition. I like that one. It was a great movie except Keanu doesn't look like this guy. That's true. And so it'll let you like fill in the details in that regard and it kind of makes it more personal in a lot of ways because it's not over detailed itself so in that regard. So I just it really was the perfect little marriage and with the the po it's poetic and I just think that is, he does such a good job, and it's not like he's trying too hard. Sometimes he was like, oh, look, I'm being a poet. Aren't I awesome? And he just kind of oozes cool. And, and one thing, it, it was interesting, so I started reading, and like I mentioned, I was a little bit short on time. Uh, so I was I was kind of speed reading at first, and maybe that's why the first chapter, and I was actually mm-hmm. skimming through it again as we're, we're prepping for this. And it made a lot more sense, because then I, I already knew the characters, I knew what was happening. But I noticed that by the time I hit the second book, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Like I had to take my time and explore because, not that I really had the extra time to do so, but it kind of re- not only requires it to figure out what's going on, but 
mm-hmm. you, you kind of sink almost in like a dreamlike trance when you're reading it, and it, it just it kind of fills your senses in a weird way, which I've never had a comic do before. And I'm not trying to sound all mystical and all that kind of fun <laughs> stuff, but it really does draw you in. And it's just this, you know, like when the gargoyles find him and bring him to Cain and Abel, and then he goes to hell and you know meets Lucifer and all these all this crazy shit's happening. And then you, you get to the horrifics of the diner. I mean, that's that's probably one of the most horrifying things I've ever read in a comic. And I'm also including Crossed and other Garth Ennis stuff that we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about. Uh, and then you draw in Arkham Asylum, and I was like, oh, you, all of a sudden, you're bringing back memories of, of the Batman universe, and you see John Constantine, like you said, and now his world's mm-hmm. flooding on you, and uh, they mentioned they were looking for stuff, and it, it flashes back to the fact that the, uh, what's the name of the satellite in the last one we did to JLA? It was the, the satellite. Watchtower. Watchtower. That things were scattered because of that. It's like, oh, we had a place, but this is what happened to it, and yeah, it references things that, you know, we just, you know, read and talked about, so... It was just really, really cool to see a talented writer like Neil Gaiman, like pull these twists, like these threads, and pull them in. I mean, even they, they even mentioned the Hecatea from the the three yeah. mates did way back in the day, and uh, so many just fun, really cool things. And Neil Gaiman loves mythology. In fact, we've we've talked about American Gods, but his newest book, Norse Mythology, is just basically retelling the Odin, Thor, Loki stories of old, but in a modern cadence, and it still takes place in the, in the old old school world. But he's so steeped in his knowledge of mythology and world religion and everything else, and he ties all of it in so perfectly and weaves this this narrative that is just incredible and sucks you in. And yeah, it's, I, I really can't say enough good stuff about this book. And like I said, if it was if maybe it was more modern and we had you know more modern art with it, it could be the same level as Wicked and Divine. Wicked and Divine almost feels like a modern telling of the story too. It's, it's a completely different type of story. But it's the same kind of mythology where you're bringing in these gods and everything else. And um, in case you can't tell, I fucking love this book. <laughs> I want to play devil's advocate on the art style a little bit because one of the things I do actually like is the art style. And it, for me, it's not as much as like the energy sort of definitely has a '90s vibe to it. But it also kind of, in a lot of ways, reminds me of like those old 1960s and 70s horror comics. Um, like it has like a similar style that kind of comics? invokes like Dracula and things like that. And that's one of the things <laughs> I actually really kind of dug about. Like, don't get me wrong, the writing is top notch and it is pretty amazing. And, and and I really enjoyed it, but I did kind of like the art because I did kind of invoke older style of, of comic book as well, which is something that I kind of digged about it. The art style is very similar to the Constantine books. Um, I mean, and that is a very much a 90s sort of thing, but it, it's just very similar, and I, I really did enjoy that a lot. Uh, Q, you've been kind of quiet on this so far. What are your thoughts? So I really liked it. I like the fact that it. I remember what the other because um, when I skimmed through the book first before I read it, I saw that there was Scott Free in there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, hey, Scott Free. For those of you who don't know who he is, look him up. Anyway, um, <laughs> I knew of this book. I know, know of this character. Again, it was very popular in the 90s with all the, the emo comic kids. Um, like, Death was a very popular character for a long time. Um, so I, I was really excited to, to read it and really see how it is sort of involved with with a lot of the um, with a lot of the characters uh, just in the DC universe in general, even though it is a Vertigo book, um, mm-hmm. which you know sometimes they say is part of continuity, sometimes they say it's not, um, and also in just d- reading. Um, you know, Wikipedia, just to kind of figure out, like, what, what else is going on in this. Um, some other characters 
um, get involved later in, in the San Sandman mythos, one of which is tied to Wonder Woman, which is kind of freaking awesome. I really liked it. I, I'm, I do feel a little bad that I haven't finished it before we did the episode today. Um, we still I love am, you. I am going to finish reading it because um, it, it, it is really, really interesting. If, you know, I get free time sometime soon, I actually would like to continue reading um, reading this because it is dark and twisted, but still, I don't know, comic booky. With uh, but like, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a, a different a different vein of comic of um, like superhero stuff. I think what it is is I think it's a good blend between like more traditional superhero books as well as something a little bit more independent and a little bit more horror. Like it kind of blends. It's like this cross section of almost like three genres of comic books. Mm -hmm. You know. It's not a disparaging comment in this way, though, but I could even see this being required in a literature class to the point of everything it cross-reference pulls in and everything else. I mean, this thing is quite the uh, mix-up and mash-up, and if you are, the more familiar you are with all the trappings around it, the better it gets. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. It does. No. Can we kind of cut you off a little bit? No, no, I'm fine. But but no, I, I I would highly suggest reading this book. I I can't believe that it took me so long to to read this. Um, I mean, I I don't know what was kind of off putting about it up until now, but it's it's real good, y'all. Go and get this book. <laughs> um, again, I wouldn't say you know drop everything and go get it, but no, I mean, it's it's cool. It's Q, cool well, we guy. got you chatting do you want to tell us your cocktail yes i would my <laughs> so my kind of favorite little bit in in this book is uh when john constantine wakes up and like all of the songs that are playing on the radio he's like it's mm -hmm. like if someone's trying to tell me something and it's like <laughs> yeah. <"Mr. laughs> so my cocktail um there is a a german Restaurant because I just looked up Sandman cocktails. There's a German restaurant that has a cocktail called Mr. Sandman Bring Me a Dream, and it is Malibu kiwi liqueur and passion fruit juice. And you just mix that shit up and drink it. <laughs> it sounds it just sounds delightful. And it so does. It's, it's really it's almost kind too of, bright and happy for this book <laughs> to be honest. Because well, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's more about like that song, but it's yeah. like the complete opposite of really what this book is, which is also what I kind of like about it. My drink is called The Underworld, because, you know, it's part of the realm, and going to hell is part of what it is. So, uh, it is, and this is in milliliters, so I apologize. Um, uh, but it's metric for y'all international listeners, so congratulations. It is uh, 40 milliliters of uh, tequila, uh, 15 milliliters of lime juice, 20 milliliters of creme de cassis, uh, 100 milliliters of ginger beer, uh, half capsule of charcoal supplement. Um, and, charcoal uh, supplement? I think it's to make it black is what it is. What? That's crazy. And then it's one red jelly snake and one sour jelly snake. This is kind of like a Halloween kind of cocktail. But you mix the tequila with the lime juice and the dash of sugar and then shake it with ice. You pour in the creme de cassis into a highball glass, add a cube of ice, and then pour in the tequila mixture and top with ginger beer. And then you add a half a capsule of uh, charcoal on top and stir gently. And then you garnish with the blackberry, blueberry, uh, cocktail swizzle stick, and maraschino cherry. Wow, that's a lot of shit. And the jelly snakes around the glass uh so yeah so but it's it's sort of like a going to the underworld because i mean there is part of the plot that takes place in hell and all that kind of stuff so that was kind of where that my concept for that came from todd do you want to give us your cocktail yeah for me though i'm gonna go with just a classic and i think just as fitting is drinking absinthe the traditional <laughs> way 
because I think that's just the perfect drink to go along with reading Sandman. Even more so than from hell. I'm just going to put that out there. I've I've tasted several absinths. Spring for the Kubler. It's pretty good. If you get that green shit at this liquor store, you're going to hate your life. I'm just going to put that out there. But Kubler is very, very good. Well, I do have a bottle of the green shit from the liquor store. I have some of that too, and it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> and it's going to be there till the day I die. Or till I come and take it off your hands for me. Yes, I guess it could be the rent. You could use it as a rent, maybe. You could. I mean, yeah, but, like, even then, like, if I'm, like, because, uh, as we've discussed previously, mm-hmm. the uh, Survivor number two is my favorite drink, and it has a, a, a rinse in it. But, like, even then, like, that, it, it's amazing what a difference even using a good absinthe and a rinse will make. You know, All right, like so that does remind me. I was at Lucky 13's the other night. Here's our tangent of the thing. Okay. And I requested corpse survivor number two and the uh waitress looked at me funny i'm like just go tell the bartenders they'll look it up and come back if they're not going to do it Uh then she says we can't make that drink here it's illegal there's too much alcohol and i just kidding me (laughs) (laughs) and i looked at them i'm like whiskey street did it like two weeks ago for me well Uh we just can't do that and i'm like Uh fine then it's a beer Because when I ordered at Whiskey Street, I was looking to see it's it's the it's the uh, the, the fortified wine is the issue most of the time. So if they mm-hmm. have the fortified wine; they can normally do it. So like when I saw that on the shelf, I'm like, oh, they can probably make it because it's like they'll probably have absinthe if they have that. You know what I mean? And then I think what is it? Gin is the other ingredient. Yeah, um, there's gin, but she's like, that's illegal, and I'm like, yeah. what? It's illegal. It's a nice what? cop out up here in Utah. The drinks that illegal. is a nice cop out, isn't it? And yes, there's a lot of booze in there, but you can make a reduced version. It's a pre-prohibition era drink. Like that's the other thing that I think is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> But so, yeah. here's the we, we said it before and I'll say it again the the loophole in Utah is any mm-hmm. bottle of alcohol that they put a sticker on that says flavoring they can free pour because so I tell you I was at uh, I've been to many bars and one of them are, we go to cruisers to go do karaoke uh, and I order a Long Island iced tea and that thing is damn sure a Long Island iced tea it's not a Utah one because you put you take a bottle of shitty Barton's vodka. Put a label mm-hmm. flavoring, and they will pour the shit out of that for you. So <laughs> it can be done, and I, they've done it at Lucky Thirteen's movie before too. So they're just they just didn't want to do it. Is what they so that's fair, did. but I thought her answer was a dumb cop out. Adam, do you want to give us your cocktail since you're uh, you're chatting with us? Uh, yeah. So so mine is called Nightmare Fuel, and you take one and a half ounce of gin, a half ounce of cherry brandy, a half ounce of Madeira. And then a splash, like a small splash of orange juice. Uh, shake the shit out of it over ice, and then strain into a martini glass and garnish with a lime rind, like a little lime wheel. Nice. Uh, orange wheel, sorry. Orange, not lime. How dare you, sir? You've led dun, us dun, astray. Dun. We haven't done any drops. Dun, dun, dun. Yay. There you go. Wow. Ignore her. She drinks. There you go. There's everything. <laughs> Everything I currently have programmed. I need to make some new ones. But we have to do it organically, or it doesn't work. I know. Well, there was. I was editing an episode the other day, and Todd said something, and I'm like, I should sample that, and I, I forgot. I'll have to go back and do it. You really shouldn't. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you can't be the only one with drops. Like, I, I need to make drops of it. Anywho. Anywho. Well, does, I mean. This feels like another short episode, but it's also just like we all like the book. There's a lot mm-hmm. to it, so it's like like this is almost the opposite problem of the last one, where there's just so much to get into. It's hard to yeah, really start discussing it down to detail. Yeah, like the problem like last time was there's just nothing going on. This time it's like, well, if we dove in and really did a full spoiler episode, it would make our killing joke initial two episodes look short by comparison. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of how like I feel like if we ever do um, the Watchmen, Watchmen, we'll have to break the book up into like a full month. We'll just do a month that is the Watchmen, and we'll we'll split it up into four, and we'll do four episodes on it 
you know, that, that book is some goddamn heavy reading too. And just, I love that book. I love it too. Don't get me wrong, but it is it is a hard book to get into. It's like we're it's like scared when you go of it, guys. It's like when you get to college and read Dostoevsky and stuff like that. You gotta you gotta have some literary background behind you. Yeah, there's that too. So, well, cool. Does anybody else have anything they want to add before they go to recommendations? Just go get this book. It's if it's amazing. But again. If you're new to comics, don't start here. This is your it'll yeah. be off putting. I mean, just have your phone with your Wikipedia ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even then though, I think there's something to be said that like I, I, I know that I enjoyed this book more the second time around because I had read Constantine, you know, like, at least three trades of the Constantine, so like knowing that character. And then like even having just read a book with Martian Manhunter, and I'm like, Oh, I fucking know who that is and having read some Batman books and going, Oh, I know Arkham Asylum a little bit. Like it kind of that's part of the fun thing about this book is that it is a storyline that hops between all these different other stories as well. You know what I mean? It's its own individual thing, but it's kinda of cool to see it make guest appearances in other worlds that you are already familiar with. You know what I mean? It's it's kinda of like mm-hmm. I guess and I mean that is part of what it is, is like it's essentially like a lucid dreaming sort of scenario where it is a character that can go through between all these different storylines. And, and play a small part. So it literally is sort of an, an and I'm sure this is probably deliberate, but it is essentially like it's a it's a guy who's in control of dreams, so he's jumping in between different forms of stories in the DC universe. So um so so having a little more background in that more than just reading a Wikipedia page knowing who that is, that kind of adds a little bit to it, uh, in my opinion, which so that's why I think it, reading it too early on when you've started comics actually kind of this doesn't benefit from that, you know. Right, so. and if I yeah, if I was to add anything, I would say this one's actually worthwhile because you're gonna love the first one as much. Buy the omnibus; they are humongous. Yeah, but it's gonna be a better value in the long run because buying twelve trades is expensive. Well, and I was looking at that too because because I'm the weird nerdy collector that I am. When I bought the first two trades, they've now since changed the print of them, so now they're a different style. And so if I were to continue on, my first two trades would be in a different style than the rest of them. So I was literally looking mm-hmm. at, okay, if I'm going to finish off the series, maybe I'm just going to buy the omnibuses because I'm a nerd that way. You know, I, I do all the digital stuff, and that's yeah. why it's kind of hard for us to do this. But they do, uh, I don't, I think it's called the Illustrated Sandman or something, but it's it's two huge books, and they're like almost like coffee table books mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, have the whole collection, and they just they look gorgeous. So for for someone who loves art books and like I like I had my my Final Fantasy art book with Yoshitaka Amano, uh, that's kind of something I almost would want to invest in because that's something that I would enjoy reading, like holding it because it's again the art needs to kind of pop out at you and having a, a much even though my iPad's huge, having a much bigger page to look at would just make it more more enjoyable. Um, so I'm gonna jump in with my recommendation, uh, which is uh, I mean it's a similar book and I kind of already said it beforehand, but it, it's the Constantine uh, comics. Um, I've read the first three trades of them. I just was reading a point in time where they weren't putting out the numbers of them. I think they've now republished them with actual numbers. Uh, I think about one time the TV show came out, they published them that way. It gets a little episodic as well. Like it's a little like, okay, what what which creature is John Constantine fighting this week? But like, it's kind of fun. He's a little bit of an antihero. Um, but if you liked Sandman, it is an, an it's a fun book to kind of have a little bit in your back pocket as well to to get to know that character a little bit and see how he works. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Todd, what is your recommendation? Um, as I was going through again, um, I think it's going to be coming on up, though, is... Whoa! That's funny. Batwoman <laughs> Elegy. It's uh-huh. by Greg Rucka. I have just... Um, Rucka. The more of Rucka I read, the more I want to read Rucka. And that's absolutely... He Rucka's your world? He... <laughs> I bet he's heard that one before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real original there, man. But yeah, he. (laughs) That's right on point. So, 
read everything again by Rucka, but um, yeah, L.G. Batwoman. She, um, it's a great character. The art, I will say, it's it's a fun read. The art's a bit different, and how they do the format and the layout. I think it's a great idea that gets played a little bit too long, and we'll get to that later. But um, L.G. It's an entire story concept in one arc. It's great to read by Batwoman L.G. Greg Rucka. You should go read it. Yeah, and we're looking at uh, at doing that um, next month. So uh, yeah. So- uh, that, that will probably be appearing on this show in the near future. Uh, Q, mm-hmm. do you have any recommendations? So something, I'm going to say that this is more of a, something that I'm interested in reading. So mm-hmm. in um, you know looking at all this other stuff that Neil Gaiman wrote, I'm really interested in the Black Orchid um, series that he wrote. Uh, with, mm-hmm. So it was... Um, Black Orchid is a real old DC character that Neil Gaiman took and really kind of flipped her on her head and made her something completely different and Mm -hmm. um so i think i'm gonna go pick that up and adam any recommendations so it it ended a couple of weeks ago um but if you're not current on star wars rebels it's the uh, animated series that took off it takes place in between uh episodes uh three and four so in between revenge of the sith and new hope uh they've They've done some really cool stuff with tying in uh, a lot of the lore from the prequels. That actually is now more interesting and makes a lot more sense. They've brought in some characters from the expanded universe, which now is no longer canon, but they're taking the best parts of it and reintroducing it into the Star Wars story. Uh, you got to find cool things like, you know, what's uh, Obi-Wan been up to the whole time he's been on Tatooine? And it's all leading up to uh, the next season, which is the, the fourth and final season, which will probably end... I would guess about the same time New Hope starts or maybe slightly into the Star Wars movies. But it's all kind of boiling down to the fact that this is going to have a huge thing to do with uh, with Rogue One and the battle at Scarif. Because if you watch Rogue One, which you should, they actually mention a couple of the characters' names over the loudspeaker. And you can see one of the characters, the droid Chopper, is like walking through the, the hangar in one of the scenes. So they're all tied into that. It's better than it's ever been. And for everyone who was upset, they ended the Clone Wars when they did. And, uh, this is overall a better show, and yeah, I'm excited to see where, where it's going to end. But uh, season, seasons one and two are on DVD, Blu-ray. Season three, I believe, you can get on Amazon. Uh, but it's it's absolutely if you're a Star Wars fan, it's a must see. You, you got to see what's been going on uh, behind the scenes when no one was looking. Kind of the, the birth of the rebellion, I guess you could say. So next week we are going to be doing my recommendation for the week. Uh, it is Planet Hulk. I chose this. I haven't read it yet because we haven't recorded this episode yet. I chose the book because I've never read an Incredible Hulk book. I started thinking about it. I'm like, I've never actually read a book from the Incredible Hulk. I went to a couple different people whose opinions I respect, including my local comic shop, and said, hey, I've never read an Incredible Hulk book. What's a good one to read? And they said, Planet Hulk is a really pretty good jumping off point or good book to read by. So I want something self-contained. Um, you know, I don't want to like jump into a long-running series or whatnot deliberately. So, uh, so next week we'll be reading Planet Hulk from the Marvel and we've noticed uh, as we were discussing this a lot of our gaps in our knowledge are DC oriented so uh, this is one of the few Marvels uh, in our gaps in their knowledge actually no it is the only Marvel everything else is DC Vertigo this month I yep. just realized that wow yeah so uh, I, I'm, I'm the only one representing Marvel this week but that's okay or this month but uh, anyway so uh, please join us next week for that um, and uh, thanks for listening <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode.
Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.